Good to see you this morning. We are picking up where we left off uh, after, before Easter. We were talking about unlocking uh, keys to unlocking the power of prayer. So we want to finish the Lord's Prayer. We started in some weeks ago on that. So uh, we're going to read a scripture here to open up uh, before we begin. So if you brought your Bible, and I hope you brought your Bible with you. It's a good uh, place to bring your Bible. Open to James 5.16. You know, prayer is one of the greatest privileges, mm -hmm. the highest privileges that you and I have as a believer, that we could come to God's throne by faith. We can come to his throne and make our requests known to him. So it's one of the highest privileges that we have. So before we begin, I'm going to start with prayer. So Father, we just come in the name of Jesus and we ask you, Lord, simply to give us spiritual ears to hear and listen to what you're saying to us this morning, to our hearts. Speak to our minds and hearts, Holy Spirit, uh, about the importance of prayer. I pray, Father, you give us the strength and the courage and the motivation, Lord, in our heart to, to be people of prayer. And help us, Lord, so whatever it is that we're hearing this morning, that we are not just hearers of this word, but we become doers of your word. Because the doers, you say, in your word are the ones who are the blessed. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So James 5.16, I'm going to read this from the Amplified uh, Translation. It says, the earnest or heartfelt continued prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. The earnest prayer, and that the Amplified explains in the Greek what that means. It means heartfelt or continued. I'm earnest about this thing of a righteous person, you've been made righteous in Christ if you're born again, so you qualify, makes tremendous power, dynamic power available to you and I when we pray. So there's potential in our prayers to produce something, to change some things. Every believer can learn to pray. In fact, every believer not only can learn, but must learn must. to pray in order to see changes in our lives. We have to become people of prayer. Every believer can learn how to pray because it's through prayer that we are partnering with God. We are partnering with God to bring his will to pass in the earth. Now, how important is knowing <laughs> and living out God's will in your life? Do you consider that important? I would consider that one of the most important things in our lives. I remember when we first started to read the word of God. And I thought, what? You can know the will of God? Amen. You can know that he has a plan and purpose for your life? Like, where have we been? We were, unfortunately, at church. Yeah. <laughs> I know. It's the truth. We were. But no one ever read Ephesians 2.10 and explained what it meant. And so that put us on a path to going, okay, if God's will can be known, and it yeah. can be known through the pages of this book, this is his will, then let's get on it. And that's what we started ever <laughs> since then. Uh, so, so you can know the will of God. First of all, let's make that clear. Through the pages of this book, you can know the will of God. Mm -hmm. And prayer is going to generate the power to bring that will to pass in your life. It won't just unfold. Now that I know it, I have to be praying it. I have to be asking God to fulfill his will in my life. So are you taking time to pray the will of God? For your life from scripture. Well, that was quiet. For your spouse. Yeah. For your marriage, for your family. Parents, are you praying the will of God for your children? Yeah. 
And I don't mean prayers like, oh, God, help Johnny make the all-star team. (laughs) (laughs) What? (laughs) You pray that. That's not necessarily the will of God for your son son or daughter's life. It's like the prayer for the will of God for your child's life would go something like this. Oh, God, you know, I pray that you open my son's eyes to see who you really are. I want him to walk in your will, Lord. I I pray that he would be, his life would be rooted deep in your love, that that's where he would get his identity from. Mm -hmm. God, I pray you give him godly friendships. I pray he grow up to serve you all the days of of his life. Give him, a, give him a heart, Lord, to hear you and, and a desire to obey you. Yes. That's, that's praying according to the will of God. Yeah. Now, whether God, you know, wants him to be on the all-star team, I don't know. <laughs> but I would rather see my son or daughter follow the, the will of God, whether or not they make the special team in their life, right? Mm-hmm. So it's through the power of prayer that God changes our lives. He changes our hearts. He changes what we see is important mm-hmm. to him, to the destiny of others. So when we're praying, we are praying God's will for nations, for leaders, for people's destinies to change. John Wesley said this. We've brought this up a few times during uh, this prayer series. It seems that God is limited by our prayer life, that he can do nothing for humanity unless someone prays and asks him. Mm-hmm. It hinges on our prayer life. I don't think we all understand this enough. We think, well, he's God, he's omnipotent, he's not omniscient, he can do anything he wants. Well, he's limited himself right. to his church praying out his will in the earth. So prayer is fellowshipping with the heart of God. It's partnering with him to bring his will to pass for your own life mm-hmm. and for the plan that he has for the earth. And God does have a plan and purpose Amen. for your life. He has a plan and purpose for your marriage, your children, your church. But like I said before, it will not unfold. It will not just drop into your life just because I say it. And just even because it's written in here, it will take faith in God's word. It will take prayer to generate that power to begin to, again, generate it like a dynamo to have it come to pass. Right. And you say, well, where do I even begin if you're just new to the things of God, new to opening up your Bible? I would say go to the New Testament first and open up even to 1 John. It's towards the back of the New Testament. It's only five chapters, but it'll give you a really good overview. It's not the gospel. It's not the gospel of John. It's called 1 John. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Jesus often went aside to pray. And if, listen, if he needed to pray, how much more are we going to need to pray? Yeah, yeah. The Bible declares that we're to be imitators of Christ. Right. So if he needed to go off to pray, we need to go off to pray. And his disciples, of course, saw him step out and go off into the wilderness or away by himself. And so they just simply said, hey, well, teach us how to pray. We want to know how to pray, too. And, And Jesus starts off by saying, you know, pray in this manner. And then he, he taught them how to pray, and we've dubbed it the Lord's Prayer. And that is a prayer that is familiar with so many people, especially the church. And we've, we've memorized it, of course, and we've, we've repeated it over and over and over again. And it comes to a place where it seems down through the centuries that because of the repetition that we've continually prayed this over, it, we just skirt over what it actually says. 
you know, you, you read stuff like that. Sometimes you read the Bible and you just skirt over it, you know. But when you do word studies and you start to look a little deeper into what this says, the meaning really unfolds and opens up. And this is really what he wants us to do. And we're going to take a look. I think this is out of the Amplified. And we're going to go to, anybody know where the Lord's Prayer is found in the Bible? Okay, not Two all gospels. at once. Two Gospels. Matthew chapter 6. Matthew and Luke. And it's also in Luke. Yeah. Uh, but we're going to go out of the Amplified, and this is Jesus. Pray, therefore, like this. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed, kept holy is your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus is saying, let's focus the right and proper thing first. Let's focus on the holiness, the greatness of God. And the more you focus on the greatness of God, it will increase your faith. Mm -hmm. I mean, if God put, he spoke this universe, everything we see, everything that is unseen, he spoke it into existence. If he knows the number of hairs on your head. See, now, when you start to think this way and you start to meditate on how great God is, mm -hmm. he starts to become bigger than your problem. Yeah. And this is really, it'll help your faith. This is why I say it. it will help your faith. Another nice thing here is he's not just a generic God. Oh, God, he's your heavenly father. Amen. He's your heavenly father. And so you have a connection through Jesus Christ right away. Often what happens is we come to, the, to our prayers and we all have trouble. We all have desires, earthly desires, you know, and we're, we're rushing into prayer and it says, oh, Lord, give me this. I need that. I need this, you know, and oh, God, help me over here and, you know, you know fix them. <laughs> fix them, you know, and then take this away. But what Jesus is saying is let's get... First things first, let's put our perspective in the right order. Let's put God first and his holiness, his greatness. Yeah. Like I said, it will, it will increase your faith when you do this. And, you know, God is our heavenly father and he wants to help us. He knows what you need before you ask, but he, the word of God says that he still wants you to ask. Yes. So we honor him first in our heart. We humble ourselves before him. He is the transcendent God. He is God Almighty. He is creator. He is the one who loves us with an everlasting love. He has no equal. Yeah. And when you start to meditate like this, your faith is just going to increase. Mm -hmm. It's just going to, you know what? You're going to have confidence that God is He's definitely going to answer my prayer. Yeah. Because nothing's too big for him. Yeah. Nothing's impossible for him. So what we want to do is bow our heart. We want to get in the right attitude of prayer. <clears throat> our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. I love this next one because this, this reveals more than you think it does. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is really huge. And, and people overlook this like i say it's because we know the prayer and we're going to say it over and over and over and over your kingdom come it's this is 
really, when you get a revelation of this, this is magnificent. It really is. Because the good news is not just the good news about salvation where we can be saved. The good news is about the kingdom, the kingdom of God. And, you know, God has, from the very beginning, his will. His will has not changed. He created heaven and earth. He put Adam and Eve on the earth. He gave them dominion and authority on the earth. You know what this develops into? Heaven was colonizing earth. God was bringing heaven's government to the earth. Thy kingdom come. It is still that way. You've got to understand, earth was meant to be a colony of heaven. It's supposed to be ruled by Adam and his descendants, bringing the law of heaven into play here on the earth. And well, we know sin messed that whole thing up. <laughs> totally messed it up. But that does not nullify God's will to have that happen. And for God to fix things, first thing he had to do was send his son, Jesus Christ. Because man, whomsoever will believe upon him, can be born again, born of the Spirit of God. That means you're adopted back into the family of God, which means then as we grow and mature into this, then he starts to give us more responsibility. And then what is the outcome at the very end? He wants us to rule and reign with him. Yes. Government. Yeah. See, Jesus is coming back. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. He is coming back. Yeah. And what he's going to do is put down all rebellion. What will happen is that his wrath will come and bear against sin. Make no mistake. No one can overcome what God says. He's just going to speak a word and armies of the earth will be destroyed. Now understand, this is, this is, <laughs> this is our God. This is why you honor him. You think about how big he is. You think about the power he has, and guess what? Then he favors you. He wants your life good. He's going to bless your life. Now, a lot of times we think blessing our life is what we want. No, blessing our life is preparing us to rule and reign with him on this earth after his second coming. This is really important for us. He wants us to understand, again, know God find purpose, so we understand his purpose is for us to rule and reign, and that's where we're going to experience life. So as we know God, we're going to find our place in God that he wants us to rule and reign, and that when he comes back, it's going to set up what will ultimately bring heaven to earth. The new Jerusalem will come to this earth, but the very beginning part of that is the millennial reign, the thousand-year reign. And that's where you and I, as we mature, he's going to be giving us more responsibility. We're going to be starting to think like heaven so that we can rule and reign. It's, it's, it says, he who overcomes will rule and reign with him. That's government, folks. That's government. So when you pray, your kingdom come, 
you start to open up your mind about the reality of yeah. what it means. Yeah. It's much, not much bigger picture than you. the gospel of salvation. And often that's what we consider while we're here yes. for the, to share the good news, the gospel of salvation. That's just the beginning. It's glorious and wonderful that we are new creations in Christ, but then God wants to open our eyes and say, now I want you to see this larger picture yes. of what I've had in mind from the foundation of the world. And we're going to be a part of it. The overcomers are going to be a part of right. it. And so God has a definite will and purpose that he desires to bring to pass Amen. in this life. And I, I think about what we shared last week, like contrary to this whole woke culture as we know, we are not here to just find our own truth. Live your truth. Find your own truth. We are not here to establish our own will. Even after you're born again, it's not about what you want. Oh, God, bless my desires. Bless what I would like to have happen. My dreams yeah. bring this to Come pass. On. Come on. We are here, Scripture says, as ambassadors for him. We are sojourners, as the word says. We're passing through. We're temporary residents. And so God uh, wants us to live for not just the dot, like not put all of our eggs in this yeah. basket right here, but for the line, yeah. the line that stretches out into eternity That's that he good. has for us. That's good. And so it's, we are here to learn to live as a disciple and to help fulfill God's dream, if you will, mm -hmm. and purpose for what he's had in, in his heart from the foundation of the world. <laughs> and he needs and expects his church to pray for this. Yeah. He needs and expects his church to pray for this. This is often... The, the focus of what we pray for during our Tuesday morning and yeah. Wednesday evening prayer, that the church, this church and the worldwide church would shift off of its complacency that the gospel isn't just about us, but it's about God. We want your will. We want your kingdom to come. We wouldn't even understand what this is all about. Open our eyes. And yes. we don't want to be just deceived into putting all of our human effort in this life, I, I say it again, this life is but a vapor. Right. We want to see the bigger picture of things. Yeah. We, we, we want to live for the line and not the little dot here. Yeah. Because compared to eternity, the 80, 90, 100 years that you might live on this earth is nothing. Right. Compared to billions, how can you put a number on e the eternity? <laughs> and if we, do, if we don't, like Jesus warned, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world? Yes. And then lose his soul. So there are so many of these things that are written in Scripture for us to pay attention to. And times are rapidly changing, aren't they? I mean, we need to be about the Father's business. <laughs> we really do. And humble ourselves and give our lives over to his greater cause. Because he does have a greater cause. Yes. And we can be a part of it. You say, well, what is that? Well, he's, he desires that a great harvest of souls be brought into his kingdom before Jesus comes back. And so you could begin to pray that you and your children would be laborers in that harvest. Yes. God, send me out into the harvest field, yeah. right? So people could hear the gospel, that people could repent, and their lives can be changed. Yeah. Pray for God's help. We need to be praying for God's help to live a holy yeah. life. Yeah. We've all been called to a holy calling. Mm -hmm. It's not just people... People tend to think in ministry, well, you're called to a holy calling. No, Scripture says we're all called to a, a, a holy calling right. with God. And so we have to be praying for these things. God, help me to live a life that's worthy of the call that you've given me. A life of faith, a life of trust, to persevere in hardship, to not give up, right? Because this is what Jesus is saying to us. It's to the overcomers. Yeah. 
those are the people that will right. be rewarded. The because he's, he's coming back just as Pastor Steve went through that to set up his kingdom on the earth, right here on the earth. And sometimes this may sound radical. Does it sound radical to you? I hope. It, it can sound radical when you st- take your eyes off of right. what we're doing here. I mean, most people are making just plans for retirement, what I'm going to do when I get older, when I quit my job and I'm retiring. But <laughs> our life goes out into eternity. Right. There's far, far more to you than retirement. And so the, our life and our, the focus of our life, you know, is written all through these pages. True. So it's just, it's, it's wonderful, beautiful, and glorious what we have access to, to read and learn about. Prepare us. And prepare us. Prepare so us. The, yeah. Well, that, that means we have to be an overcomer. How do you become an overcomer? You got to have your mind renewed and just think about the government that will be established. And there will be no rebellion in that government. None whatsoever. But the three focuses, the first three focuses of the Lord's Prayer is about His glory, His holiness, His honor, really. And then it brings us to the right perspective about our own lives. And we have a part to play. It's not just, well, I can sit in the middle. No, you cannot sit in the middle. But let's take a look at it. We, then we, we took a look at this last, the week before Easter. It says, give us this day our daily bread. Give us this day our daily bread. When we have the right perspective of our lives, the goal of our lives, even what success looks like in our lives, then you're starting to operate in the kingdom principles. He says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these other things will be added to you. That's trusting God for his provision. Knowing absolutely because I've sought... And he's so monstrously giant. He's got no equal. He is so holy and magnificent, and he favors me. He's yeah. not going to yeah. let me go without. Yeah. He's not going to let me go without. Yes. Seek ye first the kingdom of heaven. All these things will be added to you. Seems like the whole world is looking for these things. Yeah. Yeah. We don't belong to this world. Yeah. So then we're going to move on. Matthew 6, 12 says, forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Now just pause. Let that stay on the screen. Think, mm-hmm. think with me what this is saying. We're praying for God to forgive us of our sins. Scripture says our debts, or sometimes it says our trespasses, that what we've committed against God and we've committed against other people. Mm-hmm. To the measure, or just as, we have forgiven those who've sinned against us. So the the prayer assumes that we understand we need forgiveness. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So forgive me, Father. It's like we're asking God, forgive me for my own sins. And therefore, because you've forgiven me of so much, you know, I'm going to be willing to forgive other people of their sins. And so if you have a hard time, and we all have a hard time (laughs) with forgiving, sometimes it's easier than in other situations, Mm -hmm. other circumstances. But if, if, if you have a hard time forgiving other people who've hurt you, offended you, you know, if you measure out forgiveness towards others in a little tiny teaspoon, well, I'll give it to you if you... 
That's how you will get it back. Just as I have forgiven right. others, Father, forgive me. It's like, uh, so if you meet it out, just I'm going to give you a tiny little bit of forgiveness. Then the Father says, that's how much your forgiveness you're going to get back from me. And that's kind of scary, isn't it? To the extent that I give it out, then I'm willing to give it out, that God's going to give it back to me. I mean, that's a, that's a prayer that... <laughs> it's a prayer that'll close heaven over your life. Yeah. No, I'm serious. It'll close heaven over your life. Yeah. Yeah. And if you continue on it, it'll send you to hell. Yeah. Is there any sin in heaven? No. And so if your sin is still attached to you, guess what? You're not going. This, this ought to bring the fear of God on us. It, 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 this is Christianity 101. Forgive. Forgive. It, it, we've got to understand there's an inseparable link in the Bible that has to do with you and I receiving forgiveness as much as, just as, I forgive you. Yeah. The word is just as. So we should be just so free to forgive people of their sins because I don't want God to hold anything against me. And I'm, that's when you read this and you really take a hold of this, you go, oh, Holy Spirit, search my mind. I don't want to hold on to anything. <laughs> I want to pull the dump lever in it all. <laughs> but there's a great story in the Bible in Matthew chapter 18. Let's turn there. Matthew chapter 18 that this relationship about being forgiven and forgiving is, is so clear here in this parable. And we're going to start in uh, the 18th chapter of Matthew, beginning at the 23rd verse. Matthew chapter 18. It says, Therefore the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with servants who had borrowed money from him. In the process... One of his debtors, who was brought in, owed him millions of dollars. He couldn't pay. So his master ordered him to be sold, along with his wife, his children, and everything he owned to pay the debt. But the man fell down before his master and begged, Please be patient with me, and I will repay it all. Then his master was filled with pity for him, and he released him and forgave him his debt. But when the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him $1,000 or so. And he grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. His fellow servant fell down before him and begged for a little more time. Be patient with me and I'll pay it, he pleaded. But his creditor wouldn't wait. He had this man arrested, put in prison until he could, pay the, could, until he could be paid in full. In verse 31, when some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. They went to the king and told him everything that had happened. Mm. Then the king called in the man he had forgiven and said, you evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just yeah. as I had mercy on you? Then in wrath, the king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. Verse 35, Ooh. that's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. Whoa. 
Well, you know, Jesus believes in absolute truth. We, we talked about this on Easter, absolute truth. He does not mix words. And, and this parable speaks of, of forgiveness in a lot of different ways. First of all, it speaks of a, the, our tremendous debt that we owed that was impossible for us to pay. Because it isn't just a sin. See, you are born a sinner. Everybody who walks this earth was born a sinner. That means that you have to, in order to be able to be a child of God, you have to change your spirit. Well, we can't do that. Only Jesus can do that. We've got to understand our own personal debt that we owed God, a holy God. And the Bible declares that our best works, the, the best, best, best that we ever have to offer God is like filthy rags to him. Yeah. <laughs> it says here the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with servants. That's an important word. Servants, they belong to him. They're Christians who had borrowed money from him. And you and I are the servants that we owed a debt to God that we could not. It's impossible. I mean, we couldn't pay it in millions and millions and millions of lifetimes because it has to do with changing our spirit. And then here we are. uh, (laughs) We plead for mercy from the king. The king wipes out our debt. Oh, glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. We're debt free in this area. It required a perfect sacrifice for our sin debt to be paid. Jesus came to this earth as Son of God. He set aside his deity, always was God, always man. He functioned in this world as a man, anointed by the Holy Spirit. He lived a perfect life. That's why he could go to the cross, and it was that perfect sacrifice for the sins of the world, not just your sins. This yeah. is another way to think about how big is God? Right, right. Hallelujah. How powerful is that blood? Yeah. It's, it'll help our faith. Yeah. You know, we didn't deserve it. We couldn't have earned it. That's right. It was a gift. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a gift. We freely receive it through our faith. Yeah. We just believe God did it for us and he wanted to. Just by believing, yes, Jesus, you, you went to that cross for me. You, you spilled your blood so that I could be set free from the power of sin. Yeah. I believe it. Yeah. You're saved. Right. You're saved. This is when we can just say thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, yeah. thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And the magnitude, I mean, it's so good to just stop and... Yes. and Run your, run your mind through the whole big picture. Do we appreciate mm. the magnitude yeah. of what he's done for us and what the forgiveness of our sin really means without his blood where oh. we would be lost and undone forever? And for him to just take and wipe the slate clean yes. of our past. I think of that old Etch-a-Sketch. Are they still have Etch-a-Sketches out, Pastor Ben? <laughs> You, know, you scribble all over it and make all these crazy designs on it. And I think this is really what often happens in our own life. Life just scribbles all kind oh. of crazy things, sin, shame, all the insecurity, fear, all of it. 
wipes nice. the slate clean. Boom. It's like you, get, you have a new nature, Hallelujah. a new life in Christ. The old is gone, the new is come, and all things are from God. And we think, whoa, and I'm adopted into his family, just like Pastor Steve was saying. I think of the prodigal son. When he yeah. came, he repented and came to the father. And he puts a robe on him, and he puts his, uh, his ring, signet ring on him, sandals for his feet. They throw this great feast. Hallelujah. You, know, you think, wow, look what God has given us. Just contemplating on the forgiveness, yeah. the magnitude of what that me- meant in our life and means in our life, that our Heavenly Father has given that to us. It needs to overwhelm our hearts. Yes. We need to see our salvation and all of this with like the blackness of where we would have been mm-hmm. without him. Like a diamond put on black velvet and go, wow, mm-hmm. this is awesome. <laughs> and then when we see that vertical, if yeah. you say, with God, go. forgiveness that we've been given, it's much easier when we've been hurt or we, we feel offended, betrayed, whatever, to look through it through that lens and go, I could, because you did that for me, I can offer it this yes. way. I can go horizontal with yes, this forgiveness yes, yes. outward. We see better. C.S. Lewis said this, to be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable because God has forgiven the inexcusable in you. That's a good thing That's to good. own. I mean, some of you have been deeply hurt. We've all been deeply hurt Amen. at some point by another person. Often people closest to us can hurt us the most deeply. And please understand this. Jesus is not saying, just minimize all of it. It really didn't matter what you've experienced. He understands it. He knows what it's like to be betrayed. Consider his life. Consider what he went through as the son of God, son of man. Brilliant as he was, knowing everything and having to deal with people that would mock him and reject him and Talk back to him and, and act as though he didn't know anything. I think <laughs> to be deserted by his friends. Right. He understands all those emotions. Yes. But what he's asking you and I to do is to put it all in perspective. That's correct. Put it all in perspective. Really, because we tend to focus mostly on what other people have done to us without focusing yeah. or remembering what we did to God. Yeah. It's like Jesus said, before you get all hung up about who, who hurt you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, come on. It, it says, it was your sin that put me on the cross. Yeah. It was your sin that those stripes came and opened my back up. It was your, your sin. Yeah. You, you can't earn it. You, you can't earn it. And so we, we fall into that category. We've been forgiven so much. Yeah. So much. And really, in a, in a sense, if we get the perspective of this, it's a little thing to forgive somebody else. I'm not, yeah. Like Pastor Mame said, doesn't mean what they did was right yeah. at all. Yeah. But yet, you want to get healed? You want to be free? Do you, you want Jesus to hold something against you? Oh, my gosh. Really. You know, it goes back to the, the parable again. That guy was forgiven such a debt. Then he goes out and grabs a fellow yeah. servant by the throat and says, give me this payment. He's like, he said, you owe me. You owe me. Yeah. I, I, it blows my mind that somebody could go out from being forgiven. You know, it's, it's like uh, a talent, one talent of gold is 75 pounds. So how much is 75 pounds of gold? Yeah. 
That's yeah. the debt this guy was forgiven of, and then he wants to get a couple thousand dollars from another guy? Yeah. And so often, we, we'll forgive somebody, but first you have to do something. You have to do something to make... You have to be, you have to be as hurt as I was hurt. Yeah. You know, this is not how God did it. Yeah. How would you like to be on that cross? Yeah. How would you like to get beat like he was? Yeah. No, we're not, we're not doing it. And I think we get stuck with wanting, wanting, we demand the offender in our heart, make some kind of restitution mm-hmm. before we can forgive. Show that you're earning your forgiveness that I'm giving you, in other words. But, but I do qualify this. Like if you yourself have hurt or sinned against somebody, God may very well have you go yes. back and confess your sin and make some kind of amends and restitution. That is all fine and good. I'm not saying that's not right. That's completely right when it's needed. But we're talking about when somebody offends you, you hurts, and, mm-hmm. and betrays you, and they may never come back. That's right. And make amends. They just go on with their life. They don't even realize what they did. They're not thinking about you. You're thinking about right. them. What are you going to do if they never come back? Do you just hold on to it forever? Mm. It'll I destroy mean, you. Forgiveness is a process in our heart of just saying to God, like what this person did to me was wrong. And God may nod his head and say, it was wrong. It was betrayal. You're right. And I think in the natural, our mind says, you know, I want them to pay for what they've done. It's not, if you agree with me, God, make them pay. <laughs> but then we have to look at it from this bigger perspective. Yes. yes. Right? Because you freely forgave me of, of the inexcusable, <laughs> like that quote. That's good. The sin debt, and I good. didn't deserve it. And now your spirit is within me, and you're asking me to be like Jesus. Therefore, I'm asking you, Holy Spirit, I am just choosing today to let go of my need to just demand for payment. Make that person come back and make it right with me. I'm just going to let them go. Yes. I'm going to choose to just let this person go of demanding payment. I want to move on with you, God. Yeah, man. Amen. I want to move on with my life with you, Lord. And, and God's not going to minimize your hurt. He's no. not. You know, again, Pastor Mamie says this, the forgiveness is, is a movement in your heart by which you start to let go. Yeah. You ask God, help me to forgive this person by faith. Yeah. I'm just asking you to help me because it will destroy you. Yeah. It'll destroy you. Yeah. It's like you're in a self-imposed prison. Yes, right. Pastor Mamie said, that person might never even think about you yeah. again. And you are captured. That person is taking up being rent-free in your brain. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it threads. <laughs> it's like a root of bitterness. That's good. Unforgiveness is a sin that we're warned about in Scripture, not to let this root of bitterness on the inside defile us. And I, I was right. thinking that yesterday I was in my backyard, and, you know, the soil is wet. If, if you've gardened it all, I have a flower, grow flowers back there, and I started to pull up dandelions. And, you know, some of those dandelion roots can be, if, if the soil is nice and wet, you can, and you're just careful, you don't just yank off the top, you can see how deep those roots go. Yeah. Anybody garden in here? And you pull those up and you go, whoa, that root's pretty deep. But it wasn't just one root. There's all these little fine threads of yes. other roots that are going that's out a, in the soil all around is, it. And if good. you let those just grow, guess what that's it does good. to the rest of your pretty flowers? It mm. just... Ch- chokes exactly (laughs) Exactly, right they become defiled by that root if you will and and we do the same thing if we hold on to unforgiveness it just becomes a root on the inside of us 
and it defiles so much. It can, in our relationships, you mull it over in your mind, emotional, mental energy is going for it. It spills over. There's anger. There's moodiness, right? Arguments come from it. Stomach aches come from it. Headaches come. (laughs) Pretty soon, you're just, it robs you. Does it not? It's just choking, slowly choking the life out of you. Meanwhile, the other person has just gone on with their life. They're not even thinking about it. And God is saying, will you just let go instead of demanding some kind of payment for the wrong that has been done to you? It's just what Pastor Mamie is saying. These are just some of the physical things that happen. There are eternal consequences to this. And they're sobering. They are sobering. It's not only going to choke the life out of you, it's going to wreck your relationships all around you. There are eternal consequences that there's no turning back from. Yeah. He, the king goes, he calls him a wicked servant. Mm-hmm. Wicked. Is that, I mean, I don't want that label on you. No, no, no. I mean, but if you're not forgiving somebody, that's the label you're going to walk around with. Yeah. And then what does it say? It says he, he throws him into prison. <laughs> And he is tortured until he pays the entire debt, which means it'll never happen. This is a reference, folks, of going to hell and paying the price. Look at verse 12. Matthew 6, verse 12. Or 14. You mean 14, maybe? No. Forgive us our debts as we have forgiven those who are our debtors. And then at the very end of this, you look two verses past that. Look what it says in verse 14. Jesus is saying, he, this is a sober warning to us. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Amen. Yeah. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your father will not yeah. forgive your sins. Yeah. That's tacked right on to the Lord's Prayer. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's right. Yes, it is willful sin. And it's really as written as plain as day. <laughs> it's not hard to understand what the Lord is saying to us. And it's a sobering truth. Yes. It's a sobering truth. If God doesn't forgive us of our sin, we're in big trouble. (laughs) I mean, unforgiveness is a sin that will keep you out of heaven. That's right. So we just want to take a moment, pray and allow the Holy Spirit to examine our hearts. Because you can begin the process today of just forgiving simply by faith, simply in obedience in obedience. All your feelings yeah. might not line up with it, but you can do it for the sake of understanding truth and wanting to obey truth. Mm-hmm. There's, a, there's a psalm that makes a wonderful prayer in light of this, Psalm 139. Yes. It says, search me, O God. Just bow your head and pray this. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me, Lord. Know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you. See, we are not living for our own will. We are living for the glory of God, and we are living to become like Jesus. So point it out, Lord. Point out anything in me that offends you. Yes. And lead me then along the path of everlasting life. 
Ask God, is there just any offense in my heart? People, circumstances, am I holding on to unforgiveness towards somebody who's hurt me, who's disappointed me? Please show me, Lord. I open up my heart to see. Just be still and listen. Who, what is God revealing to you? Because once we're offended, if we hold on to it, we just build walls in our relationships. We just want to protect ourselves, insulate ourselves from any more hurt. We're shutting God out. Because over time, these things just become strongholds in our mind. Today, by faith, you can, you can decide to forgive. Decide to just let go of that offense. Just tell him, God, I forgive that person. And I'm asking you to help me with all the emotions that go along with it. I see how much you've done for me. I see what you did for me in the cross. And just by faith, because your spirit lives in me, I extend that forgiveness to that person. I ask you to bless them, help them. Yes. Do good to them, Lord, just like you did good to me when I didn't deserve it. We worship you, Jesus, and I thank you. In that freedom, Lord, we find life. We will find you in that, in that secret place of forgiveness. We worship you, Lord. In order to have the power to be able to forgive, you, you need God's help. You cannot do it in your own strength. You need to just release yourself into his keeping. Lord, Jesus, you know how I feel. I'm asking you to empower me. Give me grace so that I'm able to forgive. The biggest thing is to make sure your name is written down in the book of heaven. If you're here today and you haven't given your life to Jesus Christ, you haven't taken him as your savior, the one who's the only one, who can forgive you of your sins and have it stand up in the court of heaven. Jesus. If you haven't given your life to Christ and you want to give your life to Christ today and have your sins forgiven, be adopted into this family, I'm asking you to just raise your hand so I can see it. You can slide it right back down. Okay. Praise God. Heavenly Father, I do ask that you would continue to deal with our hearts. This is a scary thing to hold on to something that you're asking us to let go of. Help us now in Jesus' name.